This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as a Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled Two Kings, and it comes from 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually is quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax deductible gift. So, won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone, or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, if you'd like to go back and listen to the previous lesson or a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you consume your podcast, whether that's iTunes, whether that's Google, whether that's Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there too. All you have to do is search for WMER, Radio Bible Class, with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Last week was Easter Sunday, and we did a special lesson called Good News is for Sharing. And I hope some of you were challenged enough to go out and share some good news this past week. But before the good news lesson that we did, the Easter lesson, on Palm Sunday, we kicked off 2 Samuel. We looked at the first chapter of 2 Samuel. We learned how David heard about Saul's death, how he heard the news from the Malachite, how he reacted to it, how he ordered him to die, and then how he wrote a song for Saul and Jonathan. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, you may want to go back. But what I will tell you, 2 Samuel picks up right where 1 Samuel left off. Because back when the Hebrew transcript was written, there was no First and Second Samuel. There was just Samuel. But anyhow, today we pick back up in the second chapter. We're going to look at the first 11 verses of Second Samuel chapter 2. And we're going to look at what David has been waiting for for almost 15 years. At least that's what the theologians say, is that when he was originally anointed by Samuel, back when he was about 15 years old, he ran from King Saul for 10 years. He lived with the Philistines for two and a half years. So that would make him about 30 years old at this time that we kick off right here in 2 Samuel. As we studied, we saw that Saul died in 1 Samuel. He was the first king that was anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel. And now that he's dead and, and David knows about it, he says, well, this is what I've been waiting. It reminds me of the movie, The Lion King. There's a scene where Simba and Nala are going out to the elephant graveyard and they sing a song, I just can't wait to be king. Well, David's had to wait for almost 15 years. And now we see that even though he is to be the next king, God anointed him 15 years ago, it's just not that simple. We're going to see that there's two kings. There's a son to King Saul that's still alive that Abner's going to try to make king. 
With all that said, let's jump right in. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there and his two wives also. And David brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household. And they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. So right here in verse 1, it starts off saying, And David inquired of the Lord. Now again, David now starts to understand that he's supposed to be king. He has waited for God's anointed to no longer be king. Now is his time. He does exactly what we should do when we need to know the next thing. We ask what's next. Too many times we don't ask God what's next. We just do what we think should be next. And David had every right. He had earned the possibility to be king. But there was one thing standing in his way. There was this strong leader of Saul's army named Abner and then Saul's son, so instead of David just saying, hey, I'm the new king and going after it, he goes to the Lord. How many times have you felt like you were told to do something, but you tried to do it in your own strength? How many of you would have said, well, I know what I'm supposed to do because God told me 15 years ago. But I'm amazed at David's maturity right here. See, David could have walked into any city. Saul knew he was supposed to be king, but he's dead. Samuel knew he was supposed to be king. He's dead. Jonathan knew he was supposed to be king. He's dead. But David could have walked in. Most of his men following with him, they knew he was supposed to be king. He could have walked into just about any city and said, I'm your new king. And very few people would have challenged him on that. But that's not what he does. We see his maturity here. He goes to prayer. And he first of all says, where am I supposed to go now? Is it Time for me to get back to your land, the land that you've given us. See, David has been out of the will of God. He moved down into the Philistines, and he's been living there. He's been living in Ziglag for almost three years now. And so he goes to the Lord, and he says, what am I supposed to do next? What's next? You tell me, Lord. I'm letting you lead, not me. So David asked the Lord, is it okay for me to go back home now? Is it okay for me to go back to Judah? And the Lord tells him, yes, it's okay. But then David takes it one step further. He says, I don't want to just go back to Judah. Where in Judah should I go? Lord, where should I go? And the Lord tells him Hebron. And then we see how sold out David is. He leaves Ziklag, where he's lived for three years, and he brings Elinahim, his wife, he also brings Abigail, his other wife. We'll get into that in a minute. I mean, again, he's out of God's will. God's way is one man, one woman. But that's another lesson. He moves everything, and his people do too. The Bible says that they all moved out. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, And David brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they lived in the town of Hebron. Right there we see that David made a commitment, he was following God, and he was sold out for God. He wasn't like, well, I'll keep my house back here in Ziglag, and I'll keep some stuff there, but then I'm going to come up, and I'm going to have a place up in Hebron. No, that's not what he did. He was sold out. He moved everything. Everybody moved with him to those towns. David is sold out. He's put Ziglag behind him. He's put his hand to the plow. He's moving forward. 
And that is something that we can learn from in our walk with God. See, David didn't hedge his bets. He was completely sold out, and that's important. But there's something else I want you to catch. I want you to catch God's grace. Now, this is the Old Testament, but we get to see God's grace. See, right here, God could have easily punished him for being out of his will. David wasn't supposed to be in Ziglag. David wasn't supposed to be in the enemy's camp. David wasn't supposed to move down with the Philistines. Yet he, he turned it around. If you remember, right before he went and wiped out the Amalekites, and he got everything back. He got his heart right with God. And God forgave him. And that's the thing I want you to pick up on. That no matter what you've done, no matter how you may have turned your back on God, maybe how you got off the beaten path that God has for you, it's not too late. You can turn back just like David did. And right here we see the grace of God that he says, not only do I want you to go to Hebron, but I'm going to let you still be king. Here's the man that was with the Philistines that was about to go to battle with the Philistines against the nation of Israel. Now he's about to be king of the nation of Israel. Do you not see the hand of God here and the grace? The same grace that he poured out for you and me on that cross. A way for us to ask for forgiveness of our sins and through faith be saved and stand righteous through Jesus' blood before him one day. See, it's that grace that I want you to pick up on. It's important that you are sold out to God just like David. You got your hand to the plow and you're not looking back at Ziglag. That's important. But it's also important to understand, even if you made bad choices like David did, that God still wants what's best for you and his grace is there. All you have to do is ask. I remember when I was on staff at Grace Haven, I had somebody come to me at the church as we were talking to them and they're like well you know i'm going to give my life to the lord when i get everything back in order and you know that's the mentality of the world today is hey god will not take care of me until i take care of myself first until i get my house in order and that's not what we see here again we see that david asked for forgiveness and then he got his house in order remember in first samuel is when and chapter 29 and 30 is where he actually got on his knees and he asked the Lord for help and for forgiveness. And now we see over here in 2 Samuel chapter 2, the grace that is being abound to him and he is still speaking with him and he's giving him everything he's promised him. And somebody listening today needs to hear that. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're not too far gone that God is willing to take care of you. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness. So in these first four verses, we see that David asks, what's next? Is it time, Lord? What do you want me to do? But he does it prayerfully to God, and God responds, and he shows his grace and mercy to him. But then look what it does in verse 5. We see that David's reign begins. Now, it's not the ultimate reign where he brings the north and the south together as the nation of Israel again. We're going to see that they're divided, but he's going to go now be named an anointed king of Judah. So let's look at that real quick. Look at verse 5 with me. And it says, And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king of the house of Judah. I want you to see the foreshadowing that is right here. See, just like Jesus came, and became the king that will ultimately rule the whole world one day, he came first for the Jew. That's what it says. And then he came for the Gentile. And right here, we're going to see that David becomes his anointed, and he becomes elected king 
up over Judah, and then eventually it'll be over the whole nation of Israel. See, again, a foreshadowing of what Jesus is coming and the work he'll do here on earth and in the future. And I don't know about you, but for me, I get chills up my spine when I think about this. If God can show the grace and can keep the promise that he gave David that he would rule, can he not also keep that same promise for Jesus, that Jesus will rule the earth one day? He will come back and he will He will left here as the lamb and he's going to come back as a roaring lion. He's going to come back with sword and he's going to rule the earth. Look what Paul was inspired to write to the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 19 of Ephesians 1. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. That is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him up in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realm. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Right there, this is the promise that we have that Jesus is coming back to rule over all principalities, over all authority, over everything of this world and the world to come. See, it says in verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body and it's made full and complete by Christ who fills things everywhere with himself. So you should be excited as we see this foreshadowing of Jesus coming. And one day he already rules the world, but he's going to come back and sit in the throne of David. He's going to sit in Jerusalem and he's going to rule this world from that throne. So let's move on. Look back at verse four with me. And the men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And when they told David, it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who had buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you have shown the loyalty to Saul your Lord and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. And I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strong, be valiant, for Saul your Lord is dead and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. We've seen David's prayer, what he asked, what's next. We've looked at David's beginning of his reign. And now we see a blessing that he gives the men of Jabesh Gilead. He says, thank you. May you be blessed. May God show his favor on you for what you did. What he's saying right here is, I heard about your 20-mile round-trip trek that you did in the middle of the night. How you went and got Saul's body off the wall and his sons. And you did the honorable thing. And you risked your life. And now may God bless you. And I thank you for your faithfulness. But David takes it even further. Right there in verse 5, he says, May you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty, this faithfulness to Saul, your Lord, and you buried him. But I want you to catch what he says in verse 6. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. In other words, the Lord is going to take care of you. And may he continue to take care of you for your loyalty and your faithfulness. But he extends it. He says, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. In other words, it's not only the Lord that's going to take care of you, but I'm going to take care of you too. And why does that matter? Because listen to what I'm about to tell you in verse 7. Now, therefore, let your hand be strong, be valiant. For Saul, your Lord, is dead. But don't worry, 
The house of Judah has anointed me king over them. In other words, I'm going to be king, and as king, I'm going to take care of you. You did the right thing. You showed honor. You showed faithfulness. And as king, I will honor that, and I will show that back to you. David is showing that the way that God responds, he takes care of people who do good things, and that I want to be just like God. I don't want to be God. I want to be like God. I want God to work through me. And I want to, as a ruler, as an authority on this earth, I want to show that same favoritism that God shows. And I'm going to extend that to you just like God is going to do. So we see the blessing that God's going to give. We see the blessing that David says he's going to give. But then we also see the recruitment that David does. Again, right there in verse 7. Right at the second half of it says, your Lord, your king is dead. That was Saul. But now the house of Judah has anointed me king. And so I'm going to rule over them. And won't you come join us? I can, I can give that kindness to you. I can show that faithfulness to you. Just join us. He's showing a recruitment, an invitation for them to join. Some of you may be going, well, Tim, isn't that a little tricky, what he did right there? No. I don't think so. As a matter of fact, most theologians or commentators say the same thing, that David had a genuine, he was truly being heartfelt and offering everything he can. And he says, look, I know how the God does, and I know what he's done in my life, and he's going to do that for you. He's going to honor for your faithfulness. And I want to honor that faithfulness. I want to expand what God's going to do, and under my rule, it's easier for me to do that. Now, your king's dead, and so there's got to be a new king, and I've already been anointed king by the house of Judah, so won't you join? I think there was this heartfelt, truly faithfulness and honoring that he wanted to give back to reciprocate the, what they had done. But he's also being a shrewd politician to say, hey, this is best if you come under the house of Judah. If you see me as king and stepping up into the place where Saul used to be. It's sad that today we start looking at this and start thinking he's just being this typical politician and trying to get what he can get. But that's not it at all. He's saying, I wanted you to be a part of what God's doing in my life and what God is doing in the nation of Judah. I want you to be a part of that. There's nothing that's fake about it. It is real, and he's trying to get them to see that, and everyone come united. You might ask, Tim, why is this important? First of all, David is just king over Judah. Jabesh Gilead is up in Israel. It's up in the northern kingdom. And so for them to align underneath him, that means they're going against what Abner and Ishbosheth that Abner goes after to make king. This is Saul's son, so he's saying his bloodline should stay king. But before we move over to that, I want you to understand that it's a practical alignment to us when we are invited to be a part of God's kingdom. When the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on your heart and says, come to me, God chose us. And then we accept that call. If you look right where Jabesh Gilead is, you've got David down in the south. He's, he's ruling out of Hebron. He's over, the, over Judah. Jabesh Gilead is part of Israel, and north of them is where Ishbosheth is king. It's where he's ruling from. And so it's middle ground. And when we come to the Lord, guess what? A lot of times we have to decide. It's just like Joshua made that 
statement back in Joshua 24. He said, choose this day between who you're going to serve. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and here they stand. They're in the middle. They won't bend the knee. And I'm sure it's being whispered to them, hey, just bow. We know it doesn't really matter, but if you'll just bow, it'll be okay, and, and nothing will happen. But they said, no, we're not going to bow. That makes makes King Nebuchadnezzar mad. And so he brings them in. He tells them, if you don't bow, I'm giving you one more chance. I'm giving you one more chance. Here's your opportunity because I like you. Just bow the knee, worship like I told you to when you hear the trumpet, and then you'll be okay. And they said, look, God will not allow us to do that. They didn't compromise. And just like Jabesh Gilead had to make a decision on who was going to be their king, we have to make that same decision. We have to get up every day when we've accepted Jesus in our heart and let him be Lord of our life. We have to die to ourselves daily is what Paul said. We have to allow Christ to be king and we have to follow after the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, the Bible is quiet on their answer. And we know eventually they do come in under the reign of King David. But here we don't see a direct answer. But we do see the two kings. We see David, he's been anointed king. Now let's look at the second king. Let's look at what happens right there in verse 8. But Abner the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth the son of Saul and brought him over to Manahanam. And he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and the Jezreel and Ephraim and the Benjamin and all Israel. So he's king now over all Israel, all the northern tribes. Ishbosheth, son of Saul, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. I want you to understand Abner was Saul's cousin, and he was the commander of Saul's armies, and he was that for most of the years that Saul was king. He definitely met David when David challenged Abner when he had the opportunity to kill King Saul, but he didn't. See, David pointed out that Abner failed to protect his king. And some commentators say this is the reason why Abner didn't want him to be king, and they used Ishbosheth to be a puppet. See, Abner was power hungry. He wanted to keep ruling. Saul let him have a lot of power and a lot of authority back in that day. And so he didn't want to give that up. And so what does he do? He brings Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. And he tells the people in northern Israel, he's the only legitimate king that should be there. He's part of the bloodline. Also, I want you to pick up real quick. If you've been listening to us, you can go all the way back to our whole study through 1 Samuel and now in the second chapter. We've not heard about Ishbosheth. And so it's thought that he wasn't even a legitimate son, but that he was a son of a concubine. Again, not a legitimate person that should be there. But whether he's legitimate or not, Abner wanted him to be king so that he could be the puppet for him. And he made him king. But the Bible tells us that David allowed this to happen. Again, it shows that he is shadowing God. He's showing his long suffering. He's showing his patience. Because he has every right to go after Ishbosheth. He wasn't God's anointed. See, Saul was God's anointed. Samuel anointed Saul. But Ishbosheth was not anointed by God, so he had every right to go and battle him and take him down. And then you might be going, well, Tim, why didn't the tribes go after David and say David should be king instead of Ishbosheth? Well, again, 
They've had a lot of battles with the Philistines. David has made the Philistines mad because he's left them now. He's back on the Israel side. So they're hesitant to come out and vote for David and, and to say, we want David to be king because it'll just make the Philistines mad and they'll come back after us again. And then the other thing I want you to understand is that there has always been a rebellion against God. Abner is rebelling against the authority of God. He's trying to do his own thing to keep his power. I mean, go all the way back to Pharaoh. He fought against Moses and allowing God's people to do what God wanted. Even though God used them, you can talk about the Philistines. You can talk about the Syrians. You can talk about the Babylonians, how they came against God's people. What about the mob that yelled out, crucify him, crucify him, and wanted to put Jesus on the cross and let Barabbas go? There has always been a rebellious people. As long as Satan is around and as long as he's able to control the world, there will be rebellion. And I can tell you right now, when you make your stand as a Christian, there's going to be rebellion against you. And what he's doing right now is he's whispering in some ears and he's going to come up and battle and try to take the power from you. Just like Abner has done here with David, taking a king that's not legitimate and made him king so he can control his power. We see that this is a sham. This is a fake power. This is not what God wants. And we're going to see that ultimately God's plan overcomes this. As a matter of fact, it only lasts two years. That's what the Bible tells us right here, that he was in power for two years. And we're going to see that Abner turns on him. I'm out of time, so let me close with this final thought real quick. As we've looked through these 11 verses right here in chapter 2, we see two kings. We see a king that God has anointed and God has put into power. We see another one that man has put into power. And there is a decision that had to be made from Jabesh Gilead. There's a decision that had to be made from Judah. There's a decision that had to be made for the nation of Israel and all the tribes in the northern kingdom. Some chose man. The others chose God's anointed. Today, there's a decision you have to make. Who are you going to choose? Which king? See, you got Satan over here telling you about all the fun things in the world, and you can be your own king. You can do your own thing. You can be you. You can have whatever you want, and that is man's choice. And you have God's choice over here is knocking at your door saying, I want you to come be a child of God. I want you to be part of my kingdom. I want you to be my heir. But here's the cost. Yeah, it's a simple thing. You have to believe that I died on a cross for you. You have to believe in your heart. You have to ask me to be Lord of your life. I'm not just going to do it. I could, but I'm not. You have to choose. And today you have to make that decision. Which one are you going to make? Are you going to choose God's kingdom or are you going to choose man's kingdom? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we see how your timing is perfect. Lord, as we listen to what David went through, how he ran for his life for over 10 years, how Abner and Saul tried to kill him. Now Saul is dead and Abner is trying to make a play so that he can keep his power. He's doing everything in his own strength, with his own mindset. He's acting like the people of this world. Lord, I pray today that you will knock on the hearts of the Abners out there, that they will come to know you, that they'll see the need that they need from you, that they can't do it in their own strength. It's like a house of cards that's going to fall apart. Right now, Lord, I pray that if there's one that doesn't know you, that today would be the day. 
Lord, they will admit that they need you. Lord, that they'll understand that they are lost and going to hell. Lord, but they will do exactly what Romans 10, 9 says, that they will openly declare that you are Lord. They'll believe in their heart that God raised you from the dead and that you will save them. Lord, maybe there's one today that's listening to this that you're speaking to them because they're like David. They made some bad decisions. They found themselves in zigzag. They're out of your will. That doesn't mean they're not saved, but they're out of your will. Lord, I pray today that they will do like David, that they will turn and they'll ask for forgiveness. If they've already done that, Lord, that they'll be like David and they'll keep coming to you in prayer and you will keep showing your grace to them. You'll show them grace just like you did here with David. Lord, I pray today if they're in zigzag or if they've already asked for forgiveness for zigzag, they'll put that behind them. They'll put their hands on the plow and they'll go forward as you show them grace. Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings you give this ministry. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.